Too bad they didn't have that course in speed sermon giving. <laughs> Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So there's an old story about a famous baseball pitcher, and I, I've been trying to practice this name, and I'm not going to do a good job, so I'm going to go for it. If you know it, shout it back at me. Oral? Oral That's the guy. <laughs> that guy. So I'm just going to point to you every time I need his name to be said. Are you ready? In his book, Out of the Blue, shares the secret of his success. Throughout his years of playing, he cultivated this particular focus when he was at the pitcher's mound. He acquired the ability to totally concentrate, not on the present pitch, but on the next pitch, and the next pitch only. He couldn't afford to worry about all the bad pitches. He couldn't afford to worry about the bad calls by the umpires. No sooner did these things happen then banish them from his mind. And the only thing in the world when he got out to the field was the next pitch. In a similar way today, God is calling us to give our full attention to each day that is as gift to us. There's an old saying that goes, yesterday is the past, we can't change it. But if we don't let it go, it will change us if we let it. Imagine the quality of life, the weight lifted off of our shoulders if we could experience just one day without fear or worry. Imagine if that day was today. According to the prophet Isaiah, today is that day. Just in case you didn't know, it's your day. It's time to press the reset button on our journey of faith today, to move into our future with hope, knowing that God has come to us, and God has come to us in here, in our hearts. God dwells in us, and the hope that is Jesus calls us out by name, inviting us to fulfill the life that he has come to give us by saying, follow me. How will we know the way to go? The disciple Thomas once asked Jesus that question in John 14. In his response to that doubting disciple, although Jesus never called him that, nor did scripture, was, Thomas, I am the way. Jesus is our way today. We serve our God, who is a wilderness road builder, a river wrangler, and a desert gardener. I mean, hear the good news from the prophet Isaiah. Nothing is impossible for God in your life. There's still a way ahead for us. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are in front of us. But to get there we got to take that first step. Don't live in the past, or you'll get stuck there. Like Oral, you got it. We can't stay stuck back on that mound. 
The road leads us backwards if we keep looking backward. The wrong turns of the road that we've made, the sin in our lives, the guilt that we have that Jesus has long forgiven us for, why do we still carry it? It's time to be fully engaged in the present and to be looking towards the future with hope because we are on a road with Jesus individually and as a church and Jesus is our way and our hope. We can anticipate a bright future with him. That doesn't mean we're gonna live on easy street, but it does mean that Jesus will be with us, our guide, as we wander through this life together, following his way, and all we really have to do is follow. It's like when you're a little kid and your parent is in front of you, and your feet are so big, but your dad's feet are so big, and you just follow as he crunches through the snow. That's what Jesus is asking us to do today, to follow him into a future of hope and to spread the news of hope that this world so desperately needs. And we may find it hard to believe. Did you hear these words from Isaiah? Do not remember the former things. Consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing, and it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Then to make sure no one misses the point, the poetic comes. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A road through the wilderness? Rivers coursing through a desert? How can that be? Those verses from Isaiah, they're found in the middle portion of that big book. And it's talking about the time when the people of Israel have been captured and they're exiled, they're slaves in Babylon. So really, who could be in more need than them in every way? from the physical to the spiritual, who could be more weighed down in spirit after generations of being exiled? Who would we give the excuse of going to despair more than them, this displaced children of God? They've already been there for a generation, so that means the young ones don't even remember a time when they worked in Babylon. People who are growing discouraged actually believe that maybe Babylon, maybe slavery, maybe this awful life is the life that God had in mind for us. But no, it is not. The journey of living comes in going toward the promised land, a promise made by God who loves them. And into the darkness with hope, that message from Isaiah says, I am about to do a new thing, my beloved broken, treasured people, and I'm gonna bring you home from exile. And this is a personal thing for God. God who knows each one of us by name, every hair on our heads. You are chosen and beloved. I have called you by name and you are mine. So that journey home, and they did actually get home. They worship God. And as they traveled on the way home, they told everyone around them that it was God who called them home. So isn't it amazing what God can do even in our darkest day? 
We have a God who loves us and cares for us and provides for us and also frees us from the burdens that we carry. And don't believe that you're broken beyond despair. Don't believe you're like a sheep who's so lost that somehow God's going to forget about you out there. That's never going to have to happen. You cannot drift so far that you come out of the range of God because God's already been there. Our all-knowing God is always able to scoop us up and bring us home. The second step we need to remember is that we can't be overcome by the inertia of the present. Remember the Greeks and Romans were big fans of those stadium contests. They were largely military cultures and one way the soldiers in the empire stayed in fighting shape was what we would call track and field events. Especially valued were these distant races, right? Fortitude, endurance, Paul later would describe it as we're straining forward to what lies ahead of us. And so we have this image of a runner, the battle of physical force known as inertia, that with each impact of a runner's foot on the track, with every deep breath, the runner moves closer and closer to the goal. That's physical inertia. There's also spiritual inertia and how easy we grow comfortable and complacent in our spiritual lives holding tightly to that same old stay same old a new hymn we don't want to learn new hymns screens in the sanctuary i don't want any part of that i can't really tell you why not it's just not a part of my tradition those are words we said i said Five years ago, we will never live stream. Because <laughs> if we live stream, no one will come to church. And here you are. And since I have done some learning and some book reading, and it turns out when you're on social media, you get to be in people's lives and it invites them into the church. Who would have thought perhaps my 30 years in ministry is showing you know, it's an amazing thing what God can do for us when we don't stay looking back and we're not content to just settle for the present by just existing. We need to live in the present. It's amazing, too, that distractions can come along. We get reading our Bible. A lot of us are doing Bible in a year and we're coming to worship. You might be coming to Chapel Friday, see Joyce Backus in action. You were doing all these physical disciplines and then we have a really bad couple of days and we think, uh-oh, I'm outside the grace of God. That is not true. The grace of God is expansive, welcoming, brings us back in. You know, it's too kind of interesting. I'm always watching these animal videos. It's inherited my dad. Every time I go home, we have to watch all this planet stuff. And so the last time I was in town, he's like telling me about lion tamers. And I'm thinking of Vegas. That's my expanse, right? So picture a lion tamer. What sort of equipment does a lion tamer have? 
A whip, for sure. Usually a pistol to make a big sound. But there's another item a lion tamer must have. It's essential. What is it? A chair. That's right. Now, why do you suppose that would be? I mean, the whip and the gun make sense, but it turns out that the reason the lion tamer must have a chair is that the four legs have a visual perception to a lion. You wave a chair in front of a lion's face and the lion's brain tries to focus on all four legs at one time and it basically overloads the lion. So a lion, as ferocious, can experience this paralysis that overwhelms the lion, and he becomes passive, weak, disabled. Now, I'm not sure how long. <laughs> I'll let somebody else do that test. But we can get distracted. In step three, we need to listen for the voice of Jesus now, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard the actual voice of Jesus. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven, so I can. What's amazing to me is the way God speaks to us through people and scripture and cards. And sometimes somebody says just the right thing after 20 people have said things and it resonates. And you're like, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. So the final thing that we must do in our walk with Jesus is to cast aside past regrets and break free from the inertia of the present and open our hearts to signs of God all around us. I mean, why does the runner run? To get somewhere. There's a goal in mind. Perhaps the awakening of our faith and our faith in the future that COVID has tried to rob us of. But God is bigger than COVID. Yet how easy it is to let ourselves fall into this mood of distrusting the future, especially in the time of rapid change, when there's one change after another, and things feel kind of insecure. We kind of get going one route, and then we have to change to another route, and new normal for a while was coming daily, and then monthly, and then we had a season, and we thought we were going that way, and then we had to take a dramatic left. And now we know how much we need God. How much. Philip Yancey, he said faith is believing in advance what we will only make sense of in reverse. Hindsight is 2020. Isn't it true that if you look back on your life, especially something that was just a hard, adverse experience. And at the time you were like, God, where are you? And now you look back and see that God was with you all along, bringing you to this place. So I close with a story. It's a true story that happened in a German POW camp during World War II. And somehow, unknownst to the guards, the American prisoners had managed to scrape together enough electrical components that they built this makeshift radio and they kept it in tune to the BBC. And one day the news came over the radio that they'd been waiting to hear the German had surrendered. The war was over, although the word had not yet filtered to the camp's guards. 
And suddenly a change came over the prisoners. One that to the guards seemed just incomprehensible. They sang and they waved at the guards that held them prisoner. They smiled, they laughed at the German shepherd dogs. They shared jokes over meals of watery soup and stale bread. And on the fourth day after they had heard the news, the prisoners awoke to discover that all the guards were gone and the gates were opened wide. Their life had been so different during those last few days that it had for the preceding years. The difference, of course, was the news that they heard of something happening in the future, and that future promise made all the difference in their day-to-day -day living. It needs to make a difference to us today, because where does hope begin? It begins here, and it begins here. It begins with Jesus, who is our way. And because we've heard the promise and know it to be true, we can get up from the place we are now, the place where we go, and we can move forward. So I'll leave you with two stanzas written by poet Amanda Gorman from her book, The Hill We Climb, an inaugural poem for the country. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the sea of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour. But within it, we found the power for another chapter, a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So while once we asked, how could we prevail over catastrophe, now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? Simply answered, it can't. Thanks be to God who makes us new today. God bless you. Amen.